Independent wrestling is pretty damn fucking cool. We're sitting down in the spotlight and squirt circle with Rhino. We're trying to bring more awareness to the independent professional wrestling scene. Undoubtedly thankful for anybody that just decided to tune in and actually liked us enough to keep listening. This is Katie Shainung, Jim's wife. I was asked to record an introduction for his final podcast. And I knew I wanted to do it, but I just didn't know what I could possibly say to do him justice. He was an incredible, incredible human being. He was extremely caring, extremely compassionate. He always put his family first. He was a phenomenal father. Him and his youngest daughter, Carson, had a really special bond. They used to call each other best bud. (laughs) One day I asked Carson why she liked him so much more than everybody else, and she told me it was because he was a superhero. He is missed so much by our family. It has been a struggle. Every day has been a struggle. He was... He was loved. He was so loved by us. And I know everybody has perceptions about the relationship between him and I. And um, apart from the fact that it's nobody's fucking business, um, we were a passionate, we were a passionate couple. We either had phenomenal days or we had horrible days. Um, nothing was, nothing was like in between for us. Um, and we worked really well together. Whatever I couldn't do, he could do, and whatever he couldn't do, I could do. We just seemed to pick up each other's deficits or something. In the previous podcast, I know a lot of people shared stories about him and what they remembered about him. I have so many fucking stories. I don't even know where to start. We had so many adventures together. I mean, he did stuff that would drive me crazy, but it was hilarious. For example, he got a life-size cutout of a uh, male movie character and he put it in my house it was a gift for me which I never fucking wanted because it was creepy and he knew I thought it was creepy so being Jim he would use it to his advantage and he would hide it in random places so that I would always run into it and it would scare the shit out of me you open up the shower curtain there's a guy standing there I open up the door to go downstairs there's a guy standing there Usually, Jim would be around to laugh his ass off, but sometimes it didn't even fucking matter if he was home. He just did it to me, just to be a punk, you know? Which, it would scare the shit out of me, but it was so fucking funny, you know? 
he was funny. He always wanted, he always wanted to, to joke around and laugh about stuff. And he was a great dad. I mean, he did crazy stuff with us to make sure that the kids were always having a good time. We spent a lot of summers um, in the UP, and there were these trails that were just meant for, like, snowmobiles or four-wheelers. I don't know. They were too fucking small for a car, though, but Jim always wanted to take my car in them, and I've got a, I've got a big Yukon. And so he would drive my... Yukon through these trails and the kids would be having the time of their lives. They thought it was amazing and I would be having a panic attack next to him because I thought we were going to die. I'm really happy he did it because they were great memories. At the time it was terrifying but now I look back and it was just fun shit that we were always doing. Going to waterfalls, you know, and we would climb across the rocks and try to get the kids as in them as we possibly could without actually dropping them in them. It always seemed like we were always finding adventures. He was amazing. Regardless of what people think, I really did love Jim. And I really did think it was amazing. This entire family was blessed to have him. And we are experiencing a devastating loss right now without him. I love, I love him. His kids love him. And I hope that he has found the peace that he was looking for. It's a rare condition this day and age to read any good news on the newspaper page. And love and tradition of the grand design, some people say, is even harder to find. Well, then there must be some magic clue. Episode 5 is upon us. It's the Ross Family Matters podcast. There have been a lot of famous fives. The Jackson Five were like that, minus the rape. Hotshot Scott Williams. And the child molestation. That's a great start. I don't know if that was rape. I thought it was beating. Vic the Stick Ross, Prodigy, Jack Spade. And you mentioned it before we went on the air. We've upgraded. We're not freezing. No, we're not. We're actually made our way into a basement. Listen, I'll Which go on is record. a start to get to that rape point. That's I'll right. go on record right now. If anybody wants to judge Joe Jackson for being a driven father and wanting his children to succeed, well, then I'll shit on you to your face. Oh, I don't think he was a raper. I think it was Michael Jackson. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Well, there goes that entire demographic. Um, <laughs> all right, should we start? Let's get started. We, let's let's hit the ground out. running. I'm going to pull out of the hat. We're feisty today. Hey guys, right. I want you to know that we're on the hook for at least one, one funny thing to be said today. Ooh, that's a lot of pressure. Yeah, somebody guaranteed that, and that's bullshit. Uh, so, this looks like your handwriting. Is that you? Yeah. So, this is a question posited, or in here, what was the best part about being a wrestler? Or what is the best part about being a wrestler? 
for those of us that are still possibly going on with our careers. I, I got a question before we go. Is there a question in there? What's the worst part about being a wrestler? <laughs> there should be. I feel like not, we, write it down. I feel like we cover that. I don't remember putting that in there. So go ahead. Substance. Okay, I'll start. All right. For me, um, the best part about being a wrestler towards the end of my run was getting to hang out with people that I enjoyed spending time with. The wrestling part, okay. Hanging out with my friends, number one thing. I will tell you what the worst thing was. There's, the worst thing in the world is putting your gear on when you've been wrestling for a while. And the second worst thing is taking it off. Everything else in between is great. I like getting heat, man. There's no better feeling in the world than to draw the desired response you want from that crowd. That gets me every time. That's what I'm in it for, the yeah, heat. That's a good one. I know it's my own question, but I'll answer it. I got into wrestling for the same four reasons as everybody else. Broads. <laughs> chicks, fame, money, and chicks. Right? Hey, hey man, what'd you get out of it? Yeah, um, I got none of those. Yeah, oh, I was going to okay. say. Yeah. I've got none of those. Uh, best thing was, I'll steal from Scott. Same thing, hanging out with buddies, having a good time. Yeah, it's, it's my hobby, man. It's all I do. So it's really that. You know, some people smoke crack, right? I don't I'm do that. City boss. <laughs> yeah. I don't do that. I go and I hang out with uh, my friends at wrestling shows. When I started wrestling, it sucked because the locker room was never fun uh, unless I was somewhere where I could trust people. But when you got into it and you get your crew of people you can travel with, it's awesome. I will add this uh, uh, offshoot of that is, you know, my fiance. I've been with seven years. I met through a person I met through the wrestling business, Jason Park. So without that, there'd be none of that. So. Hey, I know this is an audio podcast, but you all at home missed some pretty sweet carpentry by uh, James Allen over here. The table is rocking, so if you heard... So don't come knocking. knocking. Yeah! <laughs> Woo! Wow, wow. That takes care of that. <laughs> all right. All right. We going for another one already? Yeah, let's go for it. That was a quick hitter. Yeah. Yeah. That was a... That was a prodigy special right there. Again, I don't even know that I'm the one that thought of that. Who else thought of that? I don't know. We wrote things down. We threw them in the hat. Shut up. Okay. So, we're going to talk about another member of the Ross family here. and oh. I know there's going to be at least a good one good story out of this. Uh, it's Otherian Griffin. Oh. Nice. So, who wants to share the story of the time we met Otherian Griffin? Hey. Uh. You go ahead, and I'll flesh out some details as I remember them. Okay. So what I remember uh, is we were working for MCW at the time, which was running down at the Miramar Theater on Oakland Avenue in Milwaukee, um, which is a great venue to have wrestling shows at, but it's not a great venue to draw a crowd at because yes. there's no parking. Yeah, parking's rough. Um, but the building is awesome. It's got a nice large locker room with two different levels. You can get a lot of stuff done in there. Uh, one saw the biggest rat I've ever seen dead outside the back of it. Becky? <laughs> no, not Becky. Um, I didn't think she died. I remember her helping Parks to the ring. And I remember her getting involved in the match, but I don't remember her dying. <laughs> so this was the rat inside the mirror? But, no, no, it was it on was the outside. Oh, in the alley. It was gigantic. Yeah, I believe She that. made her way in. It looked like a cat. I thought it was a dead cat. Uh, but so we show up and we are we consider ourselves veterans to the point where we may not always feel like we have to partake in the teardown and setup of the ring if it's not necessary. 
right. anymore at this point in our career since we've taken down and put the ring up 500 times throughout the course of our lives. Oh, yeah. Jack Speed's big time, y'all. Okay. Uh, so we walk in, and we're on the stage, uh, and we're w with our bags, and they're trying to set up the ring, and they're trying to get the padding right. The padding is all in different pieces, and it's in different p places. Otherian Griffin is there, and we have not met him as of yet. I don't even think he worked as Otherian Griffin at that point. He had a different name, I believe. I think you're right. Ricky really great? No, that was his brother. I, it's... It was close, right? It's something along those lines. Yeah. Oh, yeah, they had kind of a tag team gimmick going. Yeah. But he didn't, he wasn't working as a Therian Griffin, but he looks up and he looks at the stage, at which point he says, White people, help me out. Goddamn. All right. <laughs> hey, white people, you're going to help me set up this ring or what? Jim, were you there for that? I don't, I was, I have no idea. So that was the first time. That we met Otherian Griffin. Now, I wasn't on that show. And I think the first time, honestly, that I met Otherian, that I remember, was at a Fusion show. Right. Okay. I don't think I was on the MCW shows. And if I was on a show with Otherian, we never were formally introduced until one of the Fusion shows. And I remember thinking that he, if he could get away with it, he would have just murdered me for no reason that day. <laughs> I will say once, once you meet Otherian Griffin and you're cool with him, he is the most yes, awesome guy. Absolutely. Uh, and he was the first person that we trusted outside of our main circle of people when we were running our own shows that we trusted to take our heavyweight title and put him on because we knew we could trust him to show up for his bookings and be mm -hmm. there. And he had a great look. Mm -hmm. um, and he could go. He could go. He was a great. He is a great worker. He still can. Um, he does it very occasionally now, I know that. Um, my favorite thing watching Otherian Griffin is not what he does in the ring. It's when he comes out for his entrance, and he just gets real, he, he quiet dads it. You know? Nope. You know. The Whisper Dad. I may have even stolen the Whisper Dad from Otherian Griffin. You want to explain? So he comes out, and instead of being the normal heel, and he just yells at everybody... Right, he comes out and he gets to somebody in the front row and he gets right up next to their f head and he goes, "Hey, man, I just want you to know I'm gonna kill somebody." <laughs> All right? No, seriously, I'm gonna kill somebody. Now that's not what I say. I say, "Hey, before I met your mother, I got a lot of scratch. All right, <laughs> so you you behave or we're gonna leave." Okay. To be clear, you say that to your children. Yeah. Not to the other people right. in the crowd. Not to the crowd. Yeah. <laughs> Although I guess it would work either way. It would work either way. Um, I remember when we, when we first brought Fusion back, um, I was doing a lot of work with SSP. You guys were begging me to be in the Ross family, and I wasn't willing to do it, so you had to find a guy with a similar physique. Ah. <laughs> and that's how Otherion ended up in the Ross family carrying you guys through the show. He was the second choice to replace you physique-wise. The first was Richard Lewis. That's just rude. <laughs> Vic, you got any uh, Otherian Griffin stories? Just that that guy is a genuinely good dude in a pack of not-so-great dudes sometimes. Yeah. You could always count on Griff for a smile and a hug. He's going to go out there and work his ass off for you. Yeah. He's all aces in my book. He's, he's a much better dude than Mystic Sexton. 
<laughs> I should hope so. And it didn't matter what you asked him to do. Um, one of my favorite matches that they had was the cutting street fight between him and Chaos. Oh, yeah. You know, he didn't care. He was going to go out there and he was going to do his best, whether it was in his comfort zone or not. And let me tell you, nobody wants to be in a street fight with Brian. Yeah, there is no comfort zone no. with Brian in a street fight. And no. Otherion, playing the badass, even was willing to go into the bathroom and do the comedy spot with the toilet seat, the plunger, and like the dude just did anything and everything that you asked of him. He did it to the best of his ability. I thought he was a really, really great worker. Yeah. yeah. The minute the minute that dude has the time to travel around and go places, let us know because you can come with us anytime. And he's got my physique, so he does not have your physique. My, I mean, we're basically twins. My toddler daughter has your physique. <laughs> all right. This is apparently this is supposed to shake them up. Yeah, they I'm didn't sure. move at all. Well, that's because they're stuck together. Don't. Mm. This is the self-aware episode. Episode 5, Breaking the Fourth Wall. That's right. <laughs> all right. Jason Masters. Oh, there goes the rest of the show. Okay. Well, Lane and Jim, you met Jason Masters first, so we're going to start with you guys. Oh, Jesus. So, I was back in Milwaukee after living in Stevens Point for a couple of years. Lane was still living out in Stevens Point. I got involved with some guys uh, on the south side of Milwaukee. I don't remember what they were called. Something All-Stars of... They called themselves something All-Stars of Wrestling, but it was basically... W-A-W? N-S-W-F? Future Star? I don't... It was... They were... They had a building... They they clearly left the lasting impression. Indeed. Well, whatever. New Stars of Wrestling something something. I forgot what the hell they were. But anyway, so we go down there. Well, I went down there. It was associated with Roof. Yeah, sort of. So, um, it was that, the, the Spanish guy, what was his name? Joey Samoa. Remember Joey Samoa? I do remember Joey Samoa, but you should really stop stepping on Jim when he's trying to get to the story. Yeah, so either way. (laughs) All right. Okay. So anyway, if anybody's ever seen a real wrestling ring, uh, inside of your, your home bathroom, I think that's the situation that I walked into. I don't know how they managed to fit it into that building. Uh, but there was no ceiling. It was like wall to wall, and if you were there to watch the show, like one leg was outside, the other leg was inside of the building, and you were barely able to see this shit. But Jason Masters was there, another guy we ended up using for a while. Uh, Miguel was over there too. They had two somewhat decent workers out of all of the workers. Um, oh, I forgot about some of the other people that were there that. We almost killed. It doesn't matter. Um, so I called Lane and I said, hey, like, let's get down there. Let's see what we can do to get involved. It seemed like an opportunity to train. And if I remember correctly, uh, great, Lane and I had uh, pretty much exited the business at that point. And we had some grand ideas of getting known through assisting other people and getting them uh, where they want to go instead of where we were. But anyway, so we go in there. Jason Masters is there smoking all the time, every time. Suplex, cigarette in the mouth. That's Was he drinking? Uh, you know, I don't, I don't remember, remember him drinking. drinking. No. Oh. He was also a lot thinner at that so point. So you met him on the good side of the tracks. Yeah. All right. Yeah. But he was the like literally the only one there who had gear. I know that. Yep. 
Because he had his... And I'm sure he was wearing it. He was wearing it, yeah. of course. To give you an idea of uh, how good that fed was, I we almost got into a fight one time because we had cut a promo um, that was insulting to some, some people that we were facing. And they took it serious and almost tried to fight us in the middle of the show. I th- Okay, where was this... I, why do I feel like this building and story sound familiar? It was on Muskego. Okay. It was in the hood. Yeah, yeah. South, the South Side hood. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. It was. Do you remember who the workers were that wanted to fight you? I, I use that term loosely. Uh, no, and I don't think we ever saw them. Again. Some of the they were Latino, I believe. The. Huh. Yeah. Yeah. I remember that. They were like the, literally the only people watching this show, which wasn't. Yeah. Right. Really, a show was like Joey Samoa and his family. Was it Caesar Proban? It was not. <laughs> I'm out. Anyway, out of ideas. Uh, take it home. From there, I'm not sure where we actually ran into Masters again, other than when we started doing our own shows. I there? think MCW. Oh, MCW. That would be correct. Where he did, no matter how he denies it. He got his name by being the storyline cousin or brother of Mike, of Mike Masters. Masters. He will deny it up and down. Do not let him deny that. That is a fact. He was Mike Masters' family member. Yes. So I met him the first time at an MCW show. It was one of the few that I was on, and it was at the Miramar. And I remember having a conversation with somebody, and the an improper racial term came up and I said, yeah, people shouldn't use that word in masters. I use it all the time. And he started throwing it out like candy at a parade. And that was the first time I ever met him. And I'm like, oh, well, this guy's a real class act. Um, from there... And you were right, for the right. Um, from there, I don't think I saw him for a little bit after that, and then I started getting booked on shows with him more and more, and I started talking to him. And there was a time, like there was a, a period in time when I hung out with him, probably more than anybody here, for at least a summer, and maybe a little bit longer, when he was living on the east side. And then, you know, things are what they are, and I don't think I've talked to him in six months, which is unfortunate. But there are some interesting times, uh, interesting stories, interesting shenanigans. I know we've talked about some of them, and there was more to come. My favorite was, I'll tell you a story about a time we were hanging out on Prospect Avenue on the east side. And we are walking home from drinking and got something to eat and we walked back to his apartment and he for some reason got into an argument with a guy and a dog okay and i think the guy what was happening was it was around halloween because there was a a woman in a scantily clad costume that was walking her car and this guy with the dog was harassing her it wasn't masters it was a this so masters defended her honor and they sat there and they argued with each other for like 30 minutes like Hit, I'll hit you, I'll hit you, I'll hit you. And finally, I'm like, dude, will somebody just kick the other one's ass so we could go home? And then the cops showed up and Masters took off. And thank yeah. you. But it, it, I just remember having, like, it was, you know, you know, if, if you've met Jason Masters, you know him. He's just having this conversation with this guy. And this guy's like, yeah, well, I'll punch you. And Masters like, I'll kick you. I'm like, are, are we in, like, third grade? Does somebody fight or let's go home? So that was my favorite <laughs> Memory from that time of Jason Masters outside of wrestling. Okay. Yeah. Jason is probably a good portion of any sort of reputation the Ross family has uh, mm-hmm. outside of the ring. Yeah. Um, 
And white berry is a terrible mover. White berry is bad at moving. Yeah, um, I remember that. He will not move his bag so you can sit down when you watch the pay-per-view. And... Fuck you, Whiteberry. Somebody somewhat related to Masters wanted to drive my car when we were helping him. I remember that. So that was... So, the cool thing about Masters and talking about him is we were really there to see him kind of grow into... You know, not to help his ego get any bigger but to help him grow into a, to see him grow into a really really solid worker and I think you could say that started to happen after he joined the Ross family and after he turned heel with us and started to work more frequently as a heel he is a natural heel no matter what yeah no matter what he says but he loves being a baby face if I can if I can give uh, a brief uh Overview. I think he's the Josh Gordon of wrestling. I think he's extremely talented. When he applies himself, he's one of the best on the show. And the dude continuously shoots himself in the foot and loses himself bookings, not even on the shows, but after the shows and cutting into promos on his own during shows. Yeah, he goes in business he, for himself. If he would just step back and, and behave... He would be one of the best in the he's, Milwaukee area. He's really gifted. I actually, before he got me blackballed from River City, <laughs> um, we had a. I was going to do my last match with Jason Masters. I could have picked anybody, to be quite honest with you, um, but I wanted it to be with him um, because I knew he was good. And despite you know the the jokes of other people tell, I I feel like he was safe. I felt like I wasn't going to get hurt. We really planned a great match, and I really, if there's one thing I'd like to do is, God, before, it better be soon, is to have that match with him somewhere. Yeah. But it's, uh, the clock's ticking, man. You like, knew, you knew when you had a match with Masters that you were going to look good, he was going to make you look good, uh, he was going to focus a lot on making himself look good, too, yeah. but you knew you'd walk out of that match having one of the best matches on the card. Yeah. And, uh, you know, the same goes for him in personal life, I mean, we've hung out outside of wrestling as well so many times and almost anything that we do I can think would be better having Jason Masters around uh, but to an extent except but, but except, they're reaches, they're reaches except talking to police that's probably not a good yeah. thing to have around but there um, but there reaches points uh, you know where where it goes too far but he in general when when he's uh, when he's starting off the day He's probably one of the best people that you can be wrong. Yeah, he's he's kind of gen- you know you say he's a natural heel. I think he's also the natural life for the party, right? Right. I mean, I think that's safe to. Yeah, absolutely. The majority of the stories that I can think of, the great stories from us being on the road, had something to do with that dude doing something that we have to react to <laughs> and adjust our red alert our time around threat um, level red. So I want to. So this is going to go kind of in a weird place Uh for a minute. But I want to talk about the one time I can legitimately remember us, like, as a group, getting into an argument to the point where we had to split up for the night and go home. All right? Does anybody else remember this? I I think I know what you're talking about, yeah. You remember when Jason Masters was supposed to work the hurricane? He was supposed to work the hurricane, yep. So what happened there? Uh, River City at the time was known as Seven Rivers... Uh, Derek and Shay co-promoting up there. They had a big show coming up where Masters was going to work with the Hurricane 
And I don't remember who the other guy was, but he was going to work against Billy Gunn. So they had the two attractions in. Yeah. And when I, when I found out that the hurricane was coming in, I had this idea where Jason Masters would be doing a promo, and he would say, Hurricane, I'm not afraid of rain, and then we'd throw water in his face. Oh. Like a bucket of water. And he'd say, I'm not afraid of snow, and then we'd throw some flour in his face. And I'm not afraid of this. And then we'd throw something else at him. And then he'd wipe his face off and he'd tell the hurricane he was coming for him. Something to that effect, yeah, yeah. right? Yes. Okay. So I tell That's him the idea. Problem. Yeah, right. And before I go any further, we had done nothing but comedy for Seven Rivers for two years. But now because Marcus F. Markington was working the hurricane, he wanted to do a serious <laughs> promo. So we had a big argument about it, and I may have told him he wasn't shit, and I may have gone home. And that may have ended with me standing in the bathtub going, it's just water, and dumping the water on my own head. <laughs> oh, at that point in time. Shit. So yeah, that's, that's that. How about the, uh, the time when we were up at Seven Rivers, and you, you mentioned that he was, uh, he was into the dance, and we put on the entrance <coughs> theme, right, and he wouldn't come out. Was that the same show that you started singing the theme to him in the middle of the match? And he was down in the corner, like on the middle rope, hanging himself on the middle rope with both of his arms. And you and start singing Two Cold Scorpio's theme song. And, and starts Master starts doing the dance with his feet. <laughs> yep, that happened. That happened. Uh, I also remember the Dirty Ernie Six Man. Was he in the Dirty Ernie He was at ringside. He was at ringside. Oh. Where he said... And I quote, when we were trying to work over Dirty Ernie, he goes, I'm going to kill this MFR. <laughs> Loud enough for the 15 people that were gathered ringside to hear. So uh, those, those 15 people have heard worse. Uh, well, look at look, look what they were doing with their time at 11 o'clock on a Friday night. Yeah, but you could say the same thing about us at uh, that point. That's true. Vic, if you could give me just a, a recreation of... Uh, Jason Masters in the backstage area calling a match with somebody. Alright, man. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to get in there. We're going to bump, 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 bump. You're going to get a little heat, 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 heat. I'll do a little sell, 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 sell. And then we'll do the comeback and we'll take it home. <laughs> um, Buck, I, I, don't, I don't know what we're doing. What, is, what does that mean? Come on, man. You know. We'll get in there and bump, 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 bump. Get a little heat, 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 I'll sell, 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 then we'll take it home, man, and we'll be in the bar. Ha, ha, woo! And then he would take a shot. <laughs> <laughs> yes, he would. Yes, he would. Yep. Uh, God. Outside of wrestling, the most, one of the most ridiculous stories I've ever heard in my life is Jason Masters telling me about the random woman walking into his house and giving him a hand job. <laughs> I remember that. And then leaving. <laughs> That was. Did you guys all hear this story? Yeah, uh, I she, heard it secondhand. She was walking down the street. She was walking down the street. He lived on the east side of Milwaukee. Yeah. yeah. He lived on, in a like there were stairs to get into his house. It, it was a duplex. It basically. was a duplex, but it was off the ground. He was off, he was on the second level, right. and a drunk blonde woman came into his house and went, "Oh, this isn't my house. Oh, that's a nice penis." And then walked up to him and started to, because, you know, he's nude. It's his house. Right? Sure. And started to 
hand filleted him. I don't think that's a thing. Yeah, what the <laughs> while his <laughs> while his girlfriend, his long term girlfriend, is in the other room, and he's going. You gotta stop doing this. <laughs> this isn't this right. Is, this is my house. I, I can't. I can't. I can't do this. And to, as far as I'm aware, <laughs> as far as I'm aware, he didn't know her name. She stopped. She turned around. She left, and she went into the wilderness, <laughs> just like a a strange, strange person. All right. You know what? If we're just, you know, we're being honest with each other, he pissed in my van, man. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> I forgot about that. All right. So, we were playing cards. uh, One of our regular yearly, semi-annually poker games. And he had... This will shock some people. He had too much to drink. Mm. Was this the night he was sleeping on Lane's kitchen floor? Yeah, I believe... I believe so. Were we at Brian's? It was a long ride back. I feel like we were at Brian's. Okay. It's a possibility. Yeah. When Brian was still in South Milwaukee. Yeah, in fact, he was. So we were still playing cards. He was out early because he went all in on some stupid bet, and he decided to crash out on Brian's couch. We finished our game. It was time to take him home. I drew the short straw, so he was riding home with me. And to be honest with you, I don't really think it was anybody's fault because I think you were still in for the poker game. Probably. And I was going to get home, and somebody had to get this fool home. And on the way home... In my white minivan, he decides that he can't hold his bladder anymore. Pissed all over my passenger seat. So, but he was probably really respectful. Woke up in the morning, went and cleaned it up. Oh, of course not. Oh, of course <laughs> not. Yeah. I want to tell the story. Uh, so I had just gotten a job at the Best Buy in Delafield, and Jim and Lane and Masters came out, and we went out to celebrate. And as we were driving back, we ended up in a bar in New Berlin where we drank a bunch more and Buck and Lane talked to some ladies to limited success. And then we started to drive home. And that's when I figured out how drunk Buck was. Uh-oh. Because he was in the back seat, quiet, and then all of a sudden I heard, gold dust. <laughs> And then he was quiet for a little bit as we giggled. (laughs) And then it would happen again. It was like, bam, bam. (laughs) Yeah, when he bam, bam, Bigelow. (laughs) There was definitely a Ken Shamrock in there where he goes, get out of my way. (laughs) And he hits the sides of his head like Ken Shamrock would. I know that one. It's time. It's time. It's very time. That's how drunk he was that night. He thought it was 1998. How about in May? I'll tell you the exact date. May 8th of 2015. Why do I know that date, Vic? I don't know. Because it's the day that I moved into my house. Oh, okay. The first house that I've ever purchased with my wife and children. I'm moving into my house. My house has a two-car garage, which at this point had two cars in it. My wife's truck was on the right-hand side of the garage, pulled in forwards. I said, hey, Buck, I need you to drive that truck. We're going to go run and we're going to get some more boxes. I'm going to take my wife's or the, the other vehicle that we had or whatever. He was taking the wife's truck. You got this? Are you able to pull out of the garage? 
Yeah, I got it. All right, cool. Like, because you just have to go in a straight line, but you have to make sure you clear the door before you start turning the wheel. Yeah, 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 man. I got it. I got it. Like, I don't know how to drive. I got it. This dude gets in the truck, starts it up, takes a hard left, hits the gas as hard as he can, sideswipes the whole truck on the side of my brand new garage, rips the mirror off of my wife's truck, realizes what he did. Now, what would you do if you realized that you hit your friend's garage with their vehicle? Well, I'd probably start with a hearty apology. I would stop the vehicle. Well, that would help too, yeah. This dude is like, oh, fuck it. I'm going to power my way through this thing and hits the gas even harder to get the truck to pull all the way out, rips up the whole fender, and then he's like, oh, damn, man, I hit the garage. Did you really? Did you? Don't ever let that dude drive your car. Can uh, one of you guys do me a favor? Can one of you guys try to get him on the phone right now? I'll try it. That was our first, like, guest drop. He'll answer for Vic before he'll answer for me. He won't answer. And if you can get him on speakerphone for me. Oh, I'm going to do that for you. Hang on. Stand by. So, Jesse, apparently we have to make a promo for our podcast, but I'm not exactly sure what we're supposed to say. Oh, come on, Nick. We just got to talk about Grapple Talk, where we talk about wrestling. It doesn't matter if it's the national stuff or the local stuff. That's true. I mean, regardless if it's WWE or our Spotlight in the Squared Circle segment where we highlight local talent, we cover it all. Oh, we also got to plug the social media. That's right. Facebook.com slash The Grapple Talk, and you can follow us on Twitter at The Grapple Talk. Man, that was a really good promo. That was. High five. Hi, yeah. Yes, I'll take my eggs over easy, and I'll take my pot. Podcast, Deach and Dash. That's right, the Deach and Dash podcast hosted by me, gorgeous Jordy Lee, available via the Grapple Talk Network. It's about to get weird. We're going to talk some wrestling, maybe, some life, probably, and I'm definitely going to ask whether you prefer ketchup or mustard. Catch us via the Grapple Talk Network and wherever iPods are available to you. iPods or podcasts? God, I'm the worst. Hey guys, this is AC Riley reminding you to check out The Riley Factor only on the Grapple Talk Network. Join me as I talk wrestling, interview wrestlers in my Spotlight and Squared Circle segment, and much, much more. What are you waiting for? Head on over to iTunes and subscribe to the Grapple Talk Network today. And as always, support independent wrestling. Hey everybody, this is RGG from the Regular Guy Gaming Podcast on the Grapple Talk Network. I think it's safe to say if you like wrestling, you also like games. So join me and my co-host Ragbag as we talk about old games, new games, games we love, games we hate, special guests, interviews, and of course, Ragbag's love for Luigi Mansion. That is all on Regular Guy Gaming. Check us out. Wow, this is... This is Somebody tell first. another buck story while I look at the radio number first. Yeah. Well, there is the time that you blew his own pubes into his drink. <laughs> yeah, tell it. Oh, my. Tell it. Oh, so, my we, uh, we, my house used to be somewhat of a bachelor pad as I was a, a, a man on my own living alone in a house. Uh, so, Like a man on a mission. Yeah, we brought... Buck was over. Vic was over. Uh, and then we had a couple ladies there at the same time. Um, and we were hanging out and somehow this conversation got into, Hey, Hey, have you girls, uh, have you girls seen my dick neck? My dick neck smooth as eggs. Cause you know, he's got, you know, smooth as eggs. He, he grooms, okay. right? Yeah. So he decides he's going to pull it out. Okay. okay? 
And then when he pulls it out, it's not smooth as eggs enough for him. Okay? okay. So he goes into my bathroom. He gets my beard trimmer, the one I use on my face. Oh, Jesus. He brings it out and proceeds to shave his junk over my coffee table. <laughs> Podcast turtle. Over my coffee table and uh, leave them there. I, that's just, there's just nothing right about that story. It gets better. Yeah, we're not done okay? So he's drinking one of the Ross family drink of choice, which is Corbell and Coke. Right. All right? Right. So he's got his cup on there, and after he's done shaving, he's like, I gotta go to the bathroom, man. So he goes to the bathroom, pick, picks up his glass, puts it on the end of the table, and then blows... <laughs> I jokingly blew the pubes into the cup. Into the cup. So while, yes... Did he drink them? Yeah, absolutely. Did he notice? He I don't know if he noticed. He may have noticed later when he got a hairball. Yikes. Can we not get him on the phone? It's no. not looking like it. That's a shame. I wanted him to tell me about the match he had with Devlin Kane in Minnesota. Or the time he traded a blowjob for a t-shirt. <laughs> yeah, or Big Booty Judy or Ghoulie Fest. Oh, Shoesy. Oh, God. The time he almost got tasered in River West. Listen, you guys, I just want to talk about this time he wrestled Devlin Kane. All right? I hear you. It was in Minnesota. There were so many people at the Black Horse. Oh. oh my god, he did so well. Hey man. Would you fuck me? I'd fuck me. I'm over shit. <laughs> did you see what I did? See what I did? Did you see that bump I took through the table at the end? My god. It's the best thing you've ever seen. So he has this match with Devlin Kane. And it was a good match. I'm not gonna bullshit. It was a good match. Mm -hmm. Okay? Mm -hmm. Solid. But the whole rest of the weekend, we're four hours from home. All I had to do was hear about this match nonstop for the rest of that time. Because you know how you can get when you have a good match. You yeah. just want to talk about it. So I started playing the song from Silence of the Lambs every time he would talk about it. Because it was like he was tucking and looking in a mirror and asking if people would fuck him. Because he would fuck him. He would. Ugh. I don't know what else to do. I can't get a hold of the guy. Well, we can move on. Because, trust me, there will be more Jason Masters references and stories. Does anybody want to close with anything about Masters? Does anybody want to put a bow tie on it? Well, I was going to close with the uh, the pube story, but you took that from me. I can me. tell you that that dude owes me a fucking popsicle. Yeah, and he can't cook ribs for shit. <laughs> he burnt the ribs. Yeah, that's, anytime he's grilled anything, it's been charbroiled. But it's also not been his fault. <laughs> Your oven, man. Your oven is wrong. We love you, Buck. Yeah. Call us. Come back to us. We miss you. All right. So, North Country Steak Buffet, first experiences. Oh, man. Jim yeah. is the champion Jim, why don't of the we North start Country Steak with you. Buffet. Um, I feel like I already, I already said my piece on this. Mm -hmm. I don't know what else to say should about it. Should be one on every corner in America, right? There should be. Why aren't there? There should be, like Starbucks, dude, there should be one everywhere. And I should be eating there every day, and I don't know why they have sides. And fuck you guys for never taking me until like 10 years after you've been going already. The thing is, 
even though the selection of other dishes is not as large as, say, a Golden Corral, I feel like the quality of food is much better than that swill that they throw out there for people to grab at at Golden Corral. And steak sandwich. You take one piece of steak, and you take another piece of steak, then you put a piece of steak between the pieces of steaks. There you go. And you fucking eat your steak sandwich. I, I I can't argue with that. Ridiculous. So as a fat guy, who likes to eat a little bit all of the time, that is my spot. And this year, I discovered the greatness of Sunday brunch there. Whoa. Where you can have a steak... And some waffles. Nobody wants waffles. Uh, yeah, you made your point, beefy magoo. I want waffles at like the waffle house. No, well, we no, don't I have don't. a waffle house. I don't want a waffle house. Waffle. Yeah. Waffles, bacon, bacon of plenty, uh, hash browns, and steak. See, now I'm here we go. You. Your steak sandwich, piece of steak, bacon, a piece of steak. That's, Just as unhealthy. That's a breakfast Maybe steak worse. sandwich. Yeah. Maybe worse for you. Uh. Old potato guts. (laughs) Just look at him over there. Just eating his potatoes. And they're going down his neck. Into his old potato guts. That he's throwing lariats. Old potato guts, everybody. Yep. That's a song you can sing to people. At the North Country Steak where, Buffet. Where is the co- closest steak buffet in Milwaukee? Golden like, Corral. Yeah. Racine. Well, right. there's do, one. They're building one on Layton. Yeah, Corral? they're putting one up on, on 7th and Layton. Yeah. So. They're doing a what? The Golden Corral. Yeah. Oh, I don't care about Golden Corral. Well, did, you do ask? they have steak there? Yeah. I'm, yes. Yeah. I've never had steak at Golden Corral. It's the same thing well, as not. steak buffet. It's the first thing there's you see. Right literally you a in. grill, like right in the middle of Get everything. The fuck out like of here. you ring out, and it's, if you walk straight ahead from where you ring out, is where you get your steak. Yeah. How late are they open though? Because we might have to pause. Uh, it's like a nine o'clock thing, and yeah. we're not driving to Racine. Yeah. But uh, can so old potato guts <laughs> is. And I don't think we've ever told him this, and I don't know if he listens, and I'm sure somebody will tell him. And we mean it in all the love, is Josh Callisto as old potato gets. Yep. Okay? After one of the uh, RCCW after parties, I was drunk as shit, and on the way out, Callisto was out in front of the bar, the Eagle's Nest, and he was the last person I needed to say goodbye to, and I looked him square in the eye, drunker than a hoot owl, and I said, have a good night, potato guts, and I was on my way. He was lariating people. At which point, Lane told me how much of a dick I was for telling that dude he was potato guts. Then the next morning, we all are at the steak buffet, including Josh Callisto, and as he's eating, wait for it, wait for it, potatoes, Lane starts singing the potato guts song to Josh Callisto. At least I had the excuse of being drunk. (laughs) Okay, so... I'm going to tell you something. Sure. North Country Steak Buffet has only a handful of locations in America, and they span from La Crosse to Minneapolis, and that's it. Oh, so, okay. so a Golden Corral is not like a steak buffet. So I would say it is a worse place than a steak buffet. Because those steaks are actually good. Um, and I will also tell you this. Just Callisto reminds me of what Cuba would look like if he ever hit the skids. <laughs> Wow. Josh Callisto 
towards... Is he back working again? He retired. I think he's done. I think he's back. Super talented guy. Right? Uh, Good to watch. Uh, Enjoy. Well, he sold, he sold his arm and made Jim think he was dying. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I'm the only one he fooled with that. I'm the only one that thought he was really hurt. <laughs> You're right. My bad. It wasn't the people that walked up to me and went, Hey, that guy's fucked. <laughs> <laughs> Who said that? Uh, I think the two of you. Oh. No, that doesn't sound like anything I would You guys saw that and you were like, oh, no, he's perfectly fine. I can tell. Wayne was busy being afraid of that guy's snake. Mm. Oh, I hate snakes. There's one in your fucking basement. We've got to have you feud with Jake the Snake. So either way, um, North Country Steak Buffet, if you're in the cross, eat there. If you guys are listening, throw us some money, sponsorship. We have, you know... Anywhere between 10 and 15 listeners every time we release one of these. And by sponsorship, we mean just buy us something to eat the next time we're in town. And I'm going to say 10 and 15 listens, and 10 of those are lands. Oh. Uh Uh-oh. This will be a good one. All right. This was kind of already answered in our board, but we'll go through it. So, what's the difference between a podcast and a podcast? Uh, This one's with Jim. (laughs) Motherfucker. Um... So, if you've been paying attention, if you didn't know who our alter egos were, Jim is Prodigy, right? Yep. Prodcast, see? It's a play on words. And also, I have been prodded for the last two years to do this. Oh. And, and also, we tend to prod each other a lot. Dude, that's not a thing that happens. Not like, you know, poking, but like we jab at each other, you know? Oh, okay. We take shots, we prod each other. Fair enough. And the other podcasts are good, from what I read. Yeah. Yeah, they're probably. Oh, that's debatable. <laughs> I don't know. There's some there's some stuff out there. Well, this is going in a very uh, direct route today. So MCW. Scotty? Um Did you have a lot? There? I had some time there. I didn't spend a lot. Now you're gonna have to help me with acronyms again. The shows the we Milwaukee did outside. It's like the, the, the Super Ghetto shows? Yeah, Titonia there. Were those, those were technically shows? They were organized by TC with Al Patterson. I think they were technically under Al Patterson's brand. Really? Yeah. Because I know Digger used to have to come out to get himself over. And That's beat true. up somebody. So literally, what I remember about those outdoor shows is one was taking place the day after somebody got shot in the face in yeah, that club. Yeah, that's right. Yes. Yep. I also remember the Steve McNair promo. I don't know what you're talking about. Oh, I do. I do. So, come on, Jim. Why don't you show everybody what a Steve McNair promo looks like? I've never cut a promo. So, we go to this show, and it's within a week of Steve McNair getting shot. Right. And it killed. was like two days after. Okay. Right. And within a day of somebody getting shot in the face in that building. And it was the two-man boy band versus someone. And it was hot. I grabbed the mic and I got us some heat. And then Jim was like, I want to say something. I got something good. So I handed him the microphone. My, that's on me. I'll own that. I should know better. And then he proceeds to tell the crowd the news from apparently two days ago of how Steve McNair was shot. But then there was no punchline. It was just Steve McNair got shot. That is not how that went down. Uh, I made a joke, 
What was the and joke? And then I don't remember because it was 75 years ago. No, 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 no. How do you I not remember a joke? a joke about Steve McNair getting the, shot in the face? The punchline was Steve McNair, and I was surrounded by tens of people that had no idea what football was. So MCW, uh, if anybody knows of Legacy Pro Wrestling that is currently in Milwaukee, yes. which was preceded by Ice Pro Wrestling, yes, which was See, preceded... and that's where I get confused. MCW, Ice, and obviously we know what Legacy is, but what was the ge- who was technically in charge of MCW? MCW was Digger and Javier and Big Mike and Big Mike, right? And then Eddie and TC were. In and out of that mix somehow. Right. Well, uh, Eddie spent some time down in Tennessee. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, in fact, I want to say that when we went to MCW, Eddie was in Tennessee at that point. And we had just the best experience we could ever imagine the first time that we actually... Well, Javier was from Rebels, wasn't he? Sort of. He was part of a invasion angle we were running with, uh, with Terry. Um... And then they came, we, we booked them to come to ringside and watch a couple matches at, during one of our TV tapings, so they made like three TV appearances. They stopped showing up, and somehow, because I, I also believe that Mike was part of that invasion angle, Big Mike. And then the story comes, like, well, we didn't call him. Like, well, that's ridiculous. Why would we invest three weeks in TV? So he had a cup, he had a cup of coffee as well. Let's just okay. call it that. Well, we had the pleasure of first meeting Javier at a one-off show, ran inside of the Bayview, it was like a, it was a Legion, Legion Hall, but it's now like an Italian restaurant. Yeah, right yeah, there yeah. It's, it's, it's one of the, uh, uh, what's the big family, De Marini's now. They, they, okay. Yeah, it's De Marini's Pizza now. So, we had the joy of running into him there, and I believe, was that Joker who ran that show? I believe it was. And it was not a good show. It was not. Do you think? Who, who, let's, who, who'd you say was running that show? Uh, Super Dave? Super Dave, yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, hey, listen, there was talent on the show. No, I know that. Silas was Silas there. Silas was there. This was there. That's the, that's the problem. Is a lot I mean, of these runoff, one-off crap fests isn't because there's no talent. It's because there's no direction. Yeah. See what I'm saying? Like, you know, you can put... You can fill your locker room with, you know, a half a dozen, you know, decent guys, but if you just don't give them any direction and you put them in matches that don't make sense, you're getting what you get. You know, that, anyway, I'm on a soapbox. So we were not booked. I forget why we went down to watch, but I know we did. I think it was just to hang out, to be honest with you. So we went, and we sat at the table with the workers who were not working the show yet or had already worked because there was a mixture of both at the time. Yeah. At which point Javier had a match. And he came out in dress pants, dress shoes, mm. I believe a boa. And a wife beater. And a wife beater. That was his gear for the show. Um, now, did you know him at the time? We had met before, but I didn't know him. Bet he wore that same shit to Applebee's later. And... Uh, Take it home. He was cutting a promo, but because it was such a a quality production, it was a corded microphone, and he couldn't get higher than the second step. 
before get you know the, oh, the right. it steps. wouldn't reach. Yeah. yeah, okay. So he was standing there and he was cutting a promo and Lane and I were talking with Chris Black. And he took offense to the fact that I was talking during his promo mm. and he turned to me and he said something. And I said, Don't work the worker. And he said, What's that mean? Mm. And I said, Talk to them, not to me. And he said something else and he kind of came at me a little bit and I shit on him and I said, Come to me when you got more than six dollars worth of clothes on. <laughs> and he got super hot. And after his match, he went in the back and he was telling everybody how he was going to kick my ass. And then Silas told him to fuck off. <laughs> nice. So, okay, so let me ask you this, because again, yeah. some of the details are hazy. I remember being at a show, and I'm not sure if it was an MCW show, but we were like on Martin Luther King Drive in some bar. We, do you guys remember this show? No. Um, it was a smaller venue. Um... It started, but this obviously is a bad example. It started an hour and a half late, but I mean, psh, go figure. But I, I know you guys were there. One of you were there. I, I, it had, I, I wouldn't have gone by myself. So, and I wasn't on the show. It sounds familiar, but I'm trying to picture, and I just can't right now. I don't recall it right. at all. Um, so, how did we transition from... <laughs> Javier and you shitting on him in the crowd and you having that... We're talking about MCW. Like, I'm trying to figure out some MCW experiences. And so we, we found out who was running MCW. It became ICE. What was different about ICE than MCW from a, a ICE leadership? Was just Gravedigger, Eddie, and TC. Okay. So Digger broke off from Javier and Mike. Well, Javier and Mike just stopped. Just stopped. I as guess. far as I know, I don't think that there was a, a falling out or anything. They I just, just didn't want to do it. They anymore. had other things going on in their lives, but somehow they didn't want to use the MCW name and change it to Ice. I think they just wanted to put their own stamp. Yeah, on. but that's probably it. And MCW had been shut down for a little while okay, in between there, enough. so they and might have considered that a dead brand. So they TPW'd it. Yeah, okay. and then Ice was. And then Legacy is just Eddie yeah, yeah, and TC. Yeah, yeah. So as they break off into smaller groups, they get different people. The question I was going to ask was, how did we go from that experience of having with those people to actually being allowed to come in and work on the show? Seriously? Well, we covered that last time, didn't we? TC pulled us out. Yeah, the, the three of us, yeah. Jim Lane and myself, were working for REWF for Jeff Briggs. Yeah. And TC had came to the show and seen us, and he's like, you guys don't need to be working here. You come work for us. Yeah, TC pulled us out but of there and got us in that. Here's the thing. All right. So now put yourself into Javier's shoes. Okay. All right. And TC comes up to you and he goes, hey, man. Hey, Javier. Javier, come here, man. I got these guys I want to bring in. Well, I can tell you that when... He was informed that Vic was actually a worker, and he finally understood what the fuck that meant. And Silas Young went and told him to fuck off. That was probably the moment that he realized that it wasn't just some asshole in the crowd, that it was actually a worker. It was worth, actually both. Worth having around. It was a worker and an asshole in the crowd. A professional True, asshole. True, you know what I'm saying. Right. <laughs> he, he probably realized that he fucked up at that point. Well, 
either way, if you come to us and you have those issues, if it was us and our promotion and somebody came to us and said, hey, do you want to use these guys that, you know, shit on you in the crowd or, or you had a poor experience with, they used you and then they never called you back, what, what would we say? Well, I can tell you that I never would have lost that verbal battle, so maybe it's not the same circumstance. Yeah. But I hear you. We probably would have shit on the idea. Now, has the crowd, and I'm going to branch off a little bit, but has the crowd ever gotten to you guys so badly that, that you, you wanted to fight somebody in the cool? crowd? Yeah. No. No. It's no. never happened, ever. I'm proud of that. No. Never. It's amazing that it's never happened to anybody sitting around this microphone. I wanted right to now. kill an old man once. There it is. <laughs> well, he was hitting you, right, with a cane. He hit me in the shin with a cane. At an MCW show. With a metal cane. And I was so pissed. But I, I was stuck because well, it was a hundred. Hold on a second. I thought you almost got into a fight with a guy out in Minnesota or lacrosse. Somebody who was up in the balcony, maybe, and you guys were. That wasn't an old man. That was just a drunk. That was a drunk. A drunk. Okay. So that doesn't count? Did you almost fight him in the ring? You invited him in the ring to fight. I really did, yeah. And it was not a bit. It was not a bit, no. (laughs) One touch on that? (laughs) No. So basically, out of all of us, <laughs> you've tried to fight the crowd. No, uh, hey everybody, times. week five, it's the recurring theme. <laughs> Everything's Vegas fault. Um, Except Dickieville. Yeah, I don't know what it was. Like, for me, it never bothered me. I mean, as I, I don't think I ever had anybody physically try to get in an altercation with me. And if somebody really oh, hated me, and if people really hated me, I would purposely make sure I worked my spot and my cheating right in front of them and just stared them down. I mean, yeah. that's really what it's supposed to be. That's I mean, going bit. right back, Masters at a 7RW show had somebody jump the rail. That's the thing yeah. Jim's talking about right now. Yeah. It might be a little different because Vic was working on the mic, so when he does something, like you put somebody in, oh, she, I, you're no, doing I, it in front of them. When, when he's Prior mic, to he's being Ross family, I cut my own promos. That's not what I mean. What I'm saying is, like, if you, somebody's pissed off while you're working a match because you guys you ran somebody's eyes against the ropes or some shit. You go and you you can cheat right in front of them and make them upset. When you're directly pointing at somebody uh, and going around the crowd right. and pointing out something wrong with each person in the crowd. <laughs> right, but that was that was the gimmick I had when I was not managed. I uh, would run everybody down, and I would start with. First of all, all. Storm? That too. (laughs) So, you know, I I remember, I especially remember, and I I don't know if it was his dad, it was somebody related to Tommy Courageous. And he always wore, like, fatigues, so I would always call him Salvation Army. Okay. And he was was heated at me, but he never came in the ring. So, maybe because Tommy Courageous told him not to. But that was as close close as it came. If you're a worker and you get to the point where the crowd is legitimately upsetting you, you're probably too deep into it, okay? Sure. You're probably beyond the point where you should be as a worker. You should be proud mm-hmm. of, of the work that you do, and you should be happy to an extent. You should want to keep yourself safe, but you should never get to the point you want them to yell at you. So right. you should never get to a point where they're yelling at you and upsetting Correct. you. Correct. Even if they're like, hey, fatty, okay, I'm fat. Whatever, like, you, if you take it personally, you got, I mean, you've got certainly got issues, and I know that there's probably, you know, I think Storm's family was sick of me keeping an eye on him, <laughs> so I'm sure that they probably had some heat, but, yeah. no, I mean, I just, the, the most heat, and 
honestly, the most heat I think I ever got where somebody was mad at me, we touched on it, was when when uh, SSP's wife wanted to kick my ass for giving him heat. Yeah. And I wasn't even wrestling. I was in the crowd. So yeah. yeah, I never get upset when they yell at me. When they're like, hey, you with the big, veiny cock. The big, veiny, thick, vascular, even. <laughs> and you, then you look, and you're like... <laughs> Who are they talking to? <laughs> like, is, is Masters here? I didn't think this was a tag. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, I've seen it, though, not like, off of that. I, how many times have you seen, we talked about Javier, but how many times have you seen other workers just get completely taken out of their game because somebody hits them with a one-liner? It's like... It's because nobody bothers... Well, sorry, Vic. But it's because nobody bothers educating them on how the business works. Your I feel like your circumstances are different. You know the business. You just you're a little hot under the collar sometimes, and sometimes people say the wrong shit to you. But with a lot of these guys that we talk about, it's it's just never being trained and never getting a full understanding of how the business works. Right. So when somebody says "Don't work the worker," the question shouldn't be. Uh, what does that mean? It should just be like, okay, he's a worker. I'm backing off. You don't say shit, and you go work somebody else. Yeah. You go it's, work a member of the crowd. It's not being able to adjust what you're doing in the moment. So the only recourse you have is to get angry because you have you have nothing else to do. You're frustrated, right? Yeah, but that just shows weakness. <laughs> right. No. Uh, MCW was, was great for myself and Jim. Because MCW was a place where we could go outside of REWF. So everything we did in REWF was complete bullshit. And it was just us fucking around for the sake of fucking around. Mm -hmm. Right? I can't argue that. (laughs) When we went to MCW, we had to continue to figure out how we were allowed to fuck around. But then we also had to have actual matches with people who could work. Yeah. Yeah. So what, okay, so remember from, from... Looking at your career there, your however long, couple of years, what were some of the memorable, I guess, feuds or, or things that were noteworthy about your time there? I can tell you, hands down, best match that we ever had, and, and I think you'd probably even agree with me, was we were part of a tag team tournament, and it was the two-man boy band against uh, Otherion. Uh, Otherion and, and Chris, Chris Black. Black. Mm-hmm. And that match was, uh, was fantastic. I felt really, really good about it. I think everybody felt pretty good about it. Um, that was probably my favorite memory there. Yeah, and they had us cut, um, you know, the stereotypical pretending to be the people you're wrestling promo, like the the DX Rock or DX oh, Nation yeah, right promo. Yeah. But they had us cut the promo where we pretended to be, he was Chris Black and I was Otherian. We drew on abs. We drew abs on me. And okay. put little uh, chest hairs on my chest. Right. And every time I spoke, I screamed and made it unintelligible. And they put... A giant nose on uh, Prodigy's face. Yes. And we cut promos. I mean, it was a good promo. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember that match. Uh, I Honestly, I, I don't know if I remember much else from there, but I do remember that the shows were always enjoyable. Yeah, it was always a good time, a good place to work. Uh, <laughs> worked with a lot of, lot of talent on the rise at that point, like Mario, yeah. uh, Rocky Kisses. Yeah, yeah. Mario was you know, definitely a guy in the rise. JP was there. Yes, I remember no. that. So, so I do remember now being on because when I met Masters, I met him at an MCW show. I also remember having a really cool conversation with Mario about finishes in the alley on a trailer. So, I did do 
a few shows for MCW, not as many as you guys, but I enjoyed my time. And I remember JP being part of that whole thing. There can't be that many finishes for a match in an alley on a trailer, right? No, no. <laughs> we weren't talking about a match. Oh, you know? We were sitting. Two, at... Right, 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 right. Yeah. Two things that I can remember for MCW. The first one is MCW was the first place where I ever met a wrestler who had a business card. Oh. Yeah. You remember the guy with the business card? Mm, no. I don't remember his name. Oh, well, but, impactful. But his, <laughs> yeah. but his business card said, blah, 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 you know, James Earl Jones, whatever. Yeah, already. <laughs> it said, wrestler, actor, musician. That was um, that Sean kid. Sean something. He had, yep. a, he had a business card. All right. He was also a DJ, I think. I don't know. So he wasn't sure what he wanted to be. DJ, DJ Red. <laughs> and it wasn't... 50-50 Sean Sean, was it? No. Uh, okay. No. And I, gosh, you know what? That story was so good, I forgot my second thing, which is awesome. But if I remember it, I'll come back to it later. Also, I remember throwing up during a match. That oh, you Butchie thing. Davis? No, that day? was also oh. an outdoor show. No, that was indoors. That was you at the threw mirror up bar. inside? At the mirror bar. Oh. I remember. So I'm going to leave you with this, and we're going to close. My favorite mirror bar moment was when Mike Thompson got his leg stuck in a chair. <laughs> I was at that show in the crowd. I was 13 years old. There were four people in the crowd. I was one of them. And you remember him getting stuck and uh, thinking he was going to lose I remember freaking his... out. We're going to lose my goddamn leg. Robin. Robin. <laughs> All right. So... <laughs> I, think that's a, I think that's a good place to stop. We've we've made it through five. We haven't been canceled yet, although I'm hearing rumblings from Von Rudin that he's trying to secretly get us out because he's a stooge for the office. That's what I've heard. But we're still here. And six is right around the corner as we rapidly approach Thanksgiving. Woohoo! And all those other things that come with it. Like our trip to Cleveland, y'all. Yes, where the Browns will win their first game. So, <laughs> I want to say goodbye from Vic Ross, Prodigy, Jack Spade, Rob McGough, Scott Williams, Episode 6. We'll be Peace. dropping in about a week.